DJ and PK. We are brought to you in part by The Warehouse. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at The Warehouse. They'll be at 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Ah, boom. Time to welcome in Dylan Cauley, the former BYU wide receiver. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? Good. I got multiple things I'm ready to run by you. I can't wait to hear your opinion on these things. Are you ready? Lovely. Can't wait. (laughs) So I'm watching BYU. Grind out that 28-14 win over San Diego State. And I thought there were many parts of that game that were pretty predictable and about what you'd expect. And one of them was BYU uh, playing all right, but just no spark. And I thought, you know, okay, emotional letdown. You just lost this game. It went down to the final play, the final yard, all that stuff. There's bound to be a little of a letdown. And they summoned enough to win the game. They're the better team. They won by two scores. But then I'm looking at some of the responses yeah. on, on Twitter. And um, Brady Papinga thinks that there's a uh, kind of a breakdown of the, you know, lack of explosiveness, a breakdown of the physical conditioning. Guys who were dominating early in the season just physically aren't in a place where they can dominate now. And I wonder how much of, the, of either of those things did you see? Did you see them both? Did you see neither? What was going on there? Uh, well, first of all, I will say that I was actually at the game, uh, and it was beyond freezing. <laughs> and so that could be one aspect uh, of the, right, uh, uh, playing a game in the second week of December in Utah at what? I think it was, it got down to 18 degrees. Um, <clears throat> it is different. That's not like a normal circumstance. And so I think that does have a little bit of an effect on the physical aspect of the game. Um, on the rest of that, yeah, I think guys are a little bit worn out. I think it is tough in a situation to come off a loss and say, hey, uh, how do I, you know, um, how do I get as excited as I was when I was playing for an opportunity to play in, you know, potentially a New Year's Six Bowl or even having the momentum of playing in a playoff game? And uh, it's, it can it can be tough. <laughs> I've never been in that situation. Uh, never on a team that good. But I I'd imagine that you know being able to kind of really stay in a hundred percent and play with that same kind of fire uh, could be a little bit difficult for a team. So we've talked about this uh, several times. After Zach has the great game up in Idaho, you go down the podium and say he's going to go down as one of the best, if not the best, and. Mm-hmm. And and you you stand by that, and, and you know you're looking like you you got a decent claim to all that stuff. Uh, I wanted to ask you as far as what do you thought about Isaac Rex because he's just a freshman, if I understand it correctly, and mm-hmm. he's to me he's looking good. So how would you evaluate him against all the other great tight ends that BYU had? Are you prepared to be bold like you were with Zach? Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. I think I think Isaac. Um, the thing about Isaac is Isaac has the right. If, if you watch Dennis, you know, uh, in Dennis's juniors and senior year, and then in the NFL, there was such an aspect of what looked to be a natural receiver uh, that made him so great, right? But then you add the physicality and his ability to block. Uh, and that combination is really what makes him, you know, what makes Dennis uh, and, and Chad, you know, the, the best tight ends 
at BYU ever was, was the combination of both. Um, and you're seeing how good of a receiver, right, Isaac Rex is. And as soon as he adds that physicality where, you know, sophomore, junior, senior year, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we only saw Isaac for two more years. Um, it would make sense. Uh, and so, you know, do I think that he's going to put up astronomical numbers in terms of catches and things like that as, um, as Dennis and, and Chad? Maybe not, but I think we'll be able to talk about him in in that conversation with those two. And I do think that he has the opportunity to have a very, very long NFL career. Uh, if you just look at the kid physically, right? he's, a, he's an absolute specimen. So I, I like I like our chances there. When you mention uh, a freshman already leaving early, I think the youth fans looking at Ty Jordan thinking the same thing. Do you think that we are going to see a, a trend where more players leave early? Because we've seen a little bit of it here. We haven't seen a lot. Most of the NFL guys have gone after four years of college football. There have been a few exceptions, but most have gone after four years. Is that about to change? Uh, I don't Honestly, I don't think it's about the change. I don't think it's about the change. I think right now is a very special time in terms of talent. If you watch, like, Ty Jordan, is, that dude is unbelievably explosive, right? He has um, some of the things that he's able to do in terms of the breakaway speed. And, and you can just tell, uh, what was it, I think in the fourth quarter, when Colorado turned the ball over and it was like the first play Mm -hmm. and he went like 75 yards, right? Like it's those little things that you see in players that isn't just the physical, but also the mental of like, he knows he's going to get the ball. Right. And at that moment, as soon as that ball turned over and he knew that, you know, uh, coach Ludd called his number, it was like, yeah, there's only one option here and that's the score. And that's what separates people from being, a good football player, right? And and a division one talent to okay, this guy is what an NFL football player is like physically and mentally. So you got the Boca Raton. And those are rare breeds. Yeah, I would agree with that. It looks like that's where he's heading. As far as the bowl game goes, you know, it's an opportunity to play a game and you get to go to Florida. So there's some positive. Central Florida's got a program of of some renown here. Obviously they had the great season a couple years back, so they're a decent program, but at the same time, this particular season, they're fourth in the AAC, and their three losses, although they were close, one was literally only one point. Cincinnati, I think, was one score. So it's not like they were blown yeah. out, but they are fourth. Is it sort of a mixed bag as far as what BYU has ahead of them, or how do you look at it? Yeah, I mean, UCF isn't uh, a light, right? UCF is... Uh, in my opinion, right, it would be like the Boise State of the East. Um, they're a lot more talented. They have a lot more athleticism. They have a lot more speed than Boise does. Um, I mean, to be honest, I'm extremely excited about this game because UCF is such a good program, and they have been for the last five or six years consistently. They've put out plenty of NFL talent. Um this isn't just, you know, walking into some Cinderella story like, like Coastal Carolina. Uh, this is a legit program that's, you know, made, made power five, power five teams kind of worry. And, um, 
you have a game that's set up to be an absolute uh, attack through the air. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I think it's really going to give BYU the chance to kind of redeem itself from Coastal Carolina. Uh, and it also kind of gives the guys more of that fire that we were kind of talking about in the beginning, right? This game isn't just a, a walk in the park. It's, you know, not just some lousy bowl. Like, you get to be in Florida, it's going to be warm, uh, and the ball's going to get thrown probably uh, 100-plus times, which is always fun to watch. So I'm looking at uh, the night, some of the night scores here. PK mentioned the one-point loss to Memphis. That was 50-49. to They beat Tulane 51-34. Cincinnati game was a 36-33 loss, and they beat USF 58-46. So am I going to assume that the BYU offense should go out there and score 40 points in this game? Yeah, you have to. That's the only thing. That, that's, that's the only way you're going to beat UCF, right, is you have to put up. I mean, if you even look at the ones, the, the, the close games, right, I think what was the Cincinnati game? Was Cincinnati put up like 33 points or something? 36-33, Cincinnati won. Yeah, so so the only chance that you have at winning is putting up more than 30 points, and it's going to be a shootout. Could you explain how much fun it is uh, when you go to a bowl game? Not Obviously, the game speaks for itself, but all the other stuff that the players are going to miss out this year because of the COVID that they're not doing for each of the bowl games? Oh, there, is, there are very few things. This is how fun bowl games are. We went to the Idaho Potato Bowl in December, and I still consider it like one of the funnest weeks of my life. There is, uh, there, there are very few things. Just to be with your team, right? Your family gets to be there. In my case, uh, you know, even in 2016, when uh, we stayed in Hawaii, right? We Hawaii played in the Hawaii Bowl, and we stayed in Hawaii and got to stay in the. Uh, Waikiki uh, area and stay at a really nice hotel, the Moana Surfrider. And it was the first year that my wife and I were married. Uh, and being one of two married guys on the team, right, we got like the nicest suite in the entire hotel, right? You get all of the free food. My wife unfortunately had to go to work during the day and I just got to hang out by the pool and be with my <laughs> friends. Uh, there is there, there are few things in this world that are more fun than, than bowl games. And so when guys, you know, like seniors don't get the chance to really experience and, and have to be worried about, oh, am I, you know, being, am I social distance enough? Who's, who's uh, maybe watching me, right? These guys are going to have to be on their toes and on their heels the entire time, which doesn't make it as fun. But, you know, when you get to play a team like UCF and, uh, and being Florida, I guess yeah, that makes up for some of it. I just looked up the Moana Surfrider on uh, on Google Maps to see how close you were to the water. Hey, Yak, four hotels down <laughs> from the Halakalani. Good neighborhood. Yeah. Solid neighborhood. That's a exactly. win for you right there, Dylan. Uh, 100%. Listen, I didn't live more than a mile and a half from the beach for four years. <laughs> so I wake up and look at the snow and wish I was back every single day. 
So how many of these uh, goofy things that we see really resonate with the players? In the Vegas Bowl, I've seen them do stuff uh, downtown. Uh, we've seen, uh, seen all-you-can-eat contests, linemen just throwing down massive amounts of food. That, that may sound goofy to some of us, but some of them may really resonate with players. What if those events jumps out at you? Yeah, those are. Uh, you have a hundred what, a hundred and three guys generally traveling to a bowl game, and so you've got a hundred and three different personalities. And so, to some guys, right, it's you know, uh, a lot of the activities like that are kind of boring, and you're just excited to move on to uh, really whatever else, maybe the free time, right? But you do get a few guys uh, that absolutely just love it. Right. It's like their favorite thing in the entire world, which is awesome to see because it's awesome to see everyone in their different environments. And to be honest, the bowl week is really where you get to know a lot of your teammates because you're spending more recreational time with them. Even if you don't hang out with guys outside of the locker room, you're now having this opportunity to constantly be around them in this loose, fun uh, environment for four or five straight days. I want your thought on the Utah State situation. I know it's not your school, but you know, you've been in this state for a long while. Your family has a tradition and a history in this state. Uh, what do you think that the damage could be for Utah State with this idea of, of the president uh, making these comments against the uh, uh, Polynesians, LDS people? Because it seems like you know, if you want to have a successful program in this state, you better have both of those components. A lot of times those components are one and the same. So you think there will be any long-term damage there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and until the, until the Polynesian culture is represented in a way um, uh, that is respected, right, that is put as a priority uh, at Utah State and by the leadership, they're not going to be able to find a way back, uh, especially with recruits, recruits here, um, recruits in the islands, uh, whether it be Hawaii or, you know, in, in the South Pacific, you know, you have now put yourself in a position to kind of expose um, the ignorance, right, and what you truly understand about a people who, uh, <laughs> sorry, I, uh, um, you know, being in being a part of the uh, the UH program and playing for right, we talked about this before. Uh, the reason that I chose to play at Hawaii was because it stood for something greater, right? It was a lot like BYU. It was the closest thing to BYU where we were playing for something more than just a team or a name, uh, and so throughout the last six years being around the Polynesian culture in a way that is, you know, different. And a lot of, uh, you know, people that I would call my family, my brothers are, are Polynesian, my, my, my favorite coaches of all time, and including Norm and, and Kalani uh, being Polynesian. If, if you don't respect the attributes that they carry uh, if you don't look at what Ken Niamatololo uh, does, if you don't look at what Kalani does, and, and you don't see the absolute greatness uh, to have someone who is fundamentally and culturally committed to being greater and to standing for what's right and to stand for what is family, 
then then yeah, you're pretty much a lost cause. And so I don't see Utah State coming back from this for a very long time. Um, I noticed that they did bring back Chucky Keaton to to the program, and I think that is a step in a direction of hey, at least we're trying to bring people to show that Utah State still does you know hold diversity to to a high standard. Um, but to really take full advantage of you know some of the greatest football players and people, you're going to need to show the priority that that the Polynesian culture takes. And sorry, that was a bit of a long answer, but I've been thinking about this all week, and it, it uh, sat with me a little different. Dylan, we appreciate your time and your perspective. Thanks for coming on with us again. Of course, fellas. You guys have a great week. All right. Dylan Colley, former BYU and Hawaii wide receiver. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham live right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Kyle Whittingham, scheduled for an 8.30 media availability. He sat down a couple minutes early. Let's listen in. Nothing but success for him. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Good morning, Josh. Um, were you at all surprised maybe by the timing of that, you know, the beginning of a game week, there's still one game to play, maybe two. Did that at all surprise you, just the timing of it? It did, but once they uh, explained their situations and, and uh, the, the uh, thought process that they had, uh, you know, I, I somewhat understood. I still wish that – and we still wish they would have uh, finished out the season with us. But, uh, they're done with their academics. Everything was in order. They had – some uh, things that uh, need to be done that they can only get done this week. And so uh, that's what they decided to do. But, yeah, we sure sure wish they would have uh, been able to finish out uh, this regular season, but uh, that wasn't the case. Just a quick follow-up to that. You had said last week that, you know, when you have a recruiting class coming in, you still like to keep a couple scholarships just in case things happen. Is this a case of, hey, now things are happening and it's good to have a few left over? Exactly. This exact scenario is why you keep a couple, two or three in your pocket, maybe four. And uh, there's going to be more change, as I mentioned uh, yesterday, with the likelihood of uh, the one-time transfer becoming approved next month. That would be, I think, the percentage. Percentages say that will happen. Then uh, you got to be ready to uh, replace guys that uh, leave, and if a certain position gets depleted, you got to have you got to have a an opportunity and ability to respond and, and uh, get that position uh, taken care of. And so, yeah, that's that's going to be our MO going forward until until the rules change. Next, we'll go to Patrick Kinahan, twelve eighty the zone, followed by Ryan Costeca from SI.com. I'm wondering if the kid goes into a transfer portal, whether he's from your school or another school, do coaches say like a kid, these two kids use them for examples. Well, well, coaches from other schools, will they reach out to you for sort of like a reference? On occasion, not always, but on occasion, uh, particularly if there's a relationship with the coach that uh, is interested in these players and, uh, you know, if they don't reach out to me, there's a good chance they'll reach out to one of the assistants. And if there's a if there's a tie uh, between a coach on the, the staff that is looking into the player and, and considering taking them, and uh, a member of our staff, then uh, usually people will exercise that uh, you know that uh, phone call and, and uh, get in touch. And we do the same thing. If there's if there's a someone in the portal that we're interested in, and we have uh, someone on the staff that uh, we know. Uh, from the school that he's coming from, we'll go ahead and make contact and, and get some background information. 
Next is Ryan Costeca, followed by Trevor Helen, kslsports.com. Hey, Coach. How are you doing this morning? Good. Thank you. So uh, can you speak quickly about, you know, Max Borgie of Washington State and how uh, there's a the potential that he does return this week against you guys? I mean, just his all-around skill set and what he does to transform that offense? Yeah, he's a good player. He's a really good player and uh, he's not been able to to get, uh, get on the field this year. And uh, if he comes back, it'll make them a better offense, there's no doubt about it, because he's, he's a guy that can do a lot of things. He, he runs the ball effectively, catches the ball out of the backfield, and, and uh, he's a complete back. And so if they have him available, that makes them that much more dangerous. Next is Trevor Allen, followed by Steve Bartle of UteZone.com. Kyle, how, how are you, you going to juggle your, your roster now that, you know, no, no one's going to be, you know, charged a year or anything like that. And, and then you have a, a, a class coming in for 2021. How are you able to juggle the roster? Well, there really is no challenge for that this coming fall, fall of 21, because the uh, seniors that opt to come back will not count against your, uh, your 85 uh, scholarship. Money. And so the real problematic situation is going to be the next class and next year, the fall of 22, and not so much the guys you got on your roster, but uh, recruiting. There's going to be very little room for new recruits because then everybody counts again in fall 22, and, and where everyone was frozen for that one year, you're going to still be you know, right up against the 85, basically, when uh, when you start your recruiting, and, and uh, you can never exceed that 85. And so that's going to be the, the class that's going to be tricky. And so this, uh, this next fall, shouldn't be a, an issue because, like I said, the, the seniors are, are not a, against your count. They're just bonus guys. And then to uh, follow up quickly, um, who, who's going to be your uh, third back now Now that you're down to two guys who've normally played? Who's going to be your, your third running back? Faisal Aiden is a guy that uh, has been in the program for a couple of years. He does a great job. He's been on the uh, scout team uh, up until now, but uh, he'll be elevated to the travel roster and he will be uh, the third back going into this game this weekend. Next, we'll go to Steve Bartle, followed by Patrick Kinney. Morning, Coach. Good morning, Steve. Um, curious to get your thoughts on the differences between the Mike Leach air raid and the Nick Rolovich run-and-shoot offense. Are there big differences? Obviously, it's a, the same personnel, but are there differences between the two offenses? Yeah, there is big differences in the route structure. As I mentioned yesterday, the, the uh, personnel groupings and the formations, there's a lot of similarities. And uh, the non-use of a tight end uh, or a fullback, and there's very little use, if any, uh, of that position in those position groups. But, but uh, there is differences between the two, uh, you know, a lot more mess routes, crossing routes with, with Coach Leach and, and the system he employs than uh, with what they're doing at Washington State right now. So the end result isn't a lot different. You know, they're both piled on passing yards, and, and that's the, uh, the primary uh, thing they're trying to accomplish is throw the ball. But uh, there is a lot of difference in how they run the routes and the, the conversions off of those routes. And uh, it's, it's come in and talk for an hour or two on that, but, but there is differences. And there's there two separate uh, offensive attacks when you look at the route structure. We'll go next to Patrick Kinahan, followed by Josh Newman and Josh Furlong. How disruptive 
is it to a team as it's been this season when you start to play and then you miss a week or two and you can't play and then you got to come back in terms of the flow and just the rhythm of the team when this is happening? It's challenging. And uh, there's uh, most teams in the Pac-12 have had that same disruption that, that we've had and that Washington State had. Now, our, our disruption was all at the front end. And we've been able to, you know, fortunately, continue to play uh, since we missed those first two games. But, but uh, it's, uh, it's different than having a buy because if you have buy schedules, then you know you plan accordingly and you, and you adjust accordingly. But, but these uh, disruptions occur sometimes with, you know, two hours notice. So, so you don't know uh, exactly uh, how to plan for it. You just got to be flexible. You got to adapt. And uh, you just got to continue to uh, stay positive with your guys and, and have your players stay positive. And, and we talked about this at the very onset of the season with our guys, that this season was going to be adversity times 10 when you talk about this compared to a, a typical season, and that's proven to be the case. Josh Newman followed by Josh Furlong. Kyle, in a normal year, you would be getting ready to sign your recruiting class in a week that you're not preparing for a game. You know, you're now preparing for a game. Signing day is tomorrow. How, how crazy ha- has your week become because of that right now? Well, actually, if you're playing an early bowl game, which we have in the past at times, it's very similar to that because we would be practicing this week uh, if it was an earlier uh, scheduled bowl game. But uh, it is challenging to, to juggle the, the uh, signing day as long as, well as, along with the preparation process of the game. But uh, our signing class, we don't expect, we hope, that we don't have any uh, bad surprises tomorrow. We think things will go pretty much as expected, and everybody that uh, is going to join us has already indicated that on social media and publicly committed to us. And so uh, we don't feel there's going to be much of a disruption. And uh, tomorrow morning we'll be getting most of the letters in. Some will trickle in later in the day. But uh, it, it's doable. And like I said, we've, we've had a somewhat similar situation in the past when you're getting ready for a bowl game that, that uh, is a pre-Christmas bowl. Next is Josh Furlong, followed by Chris Camrani from The Athletic. Kyle Solomon said that uh, he had a family member that died when you guys were playing in the Colorado game. You know, you're obviously hired to be a football coach, but you obviously have to take care of a lot of these kids that are still young, still trying to, like, grow into their adult years. What's what's that process like for you to be, you know, there to help as, as kids lose family members or especially this year, the mental aspect of COVID and all those types of things? Yeah, well, it's our job as coaches to be mentors for these for these uh, young men and, and essentially uh, taking over where their parents left off. And when they turn them over to us, you know, we're responsible to make sure that that we uh, treat them like our own sons, and that's how we do it here in Utah. And uh, the coaches are responsible to be, in, to be in tune with every aspect of a player's life, not just academics and football, but socially and, and uh, emotionally and, and uh, just everything that goes on in their life we need to be involved with and, and be supportive. And I believe our assistant coaches do a phenomenal job of that. And uh, that's one of the things that's woven into the fabric of our culture here is is the way that uh, our coaches care about the players and, and put them first. This is a player's first program. Uh, we have a mantra, it's all about the players, and we, we stick to that. And every decision we make and everything we do in this program is geared towards their well-being and their benefit. Following up on that real quickly, you know, this the, the program's obviously known as a family first. That's what a lot of the recruits talk about, uh, just being able to have that connectedness. Is that is that essentially what it is? Obviously, it's on the field, but it's it's that type of mentality as well. 
without a doubt. And uh, we have uh, pretty much every recruit that comes through here feels it and senses it. Now, that's not going to say they're going to choose Utah just because of that, but but uh, every recruit that we bring on campus gets that feel and, and understands that uh, that culture is very strong. Next, we'll go to Chris Kamrani, and then our final question will come from Steve Bartle of Ute Zone. Kyle, is there a number of running backs that you would like to add to the roster this offseason to challenge Ty going into next year? And if so, um, I assume you exhaust all potential options of doing so. Yeah, we do. And we're uh, budgeted, I guess you could say it's the right word, of five to six running backs, scholarship running backs on the roster. And that's where we'd like to get. Six is usually the ceiling and five is the minimum. And so we feel we're going to be able to get there. And uh, that's why you recruit every year. And, and the roster turnover is going to be more dramatic going forward with the, uh, you know, with the change in the, uh, the transfer structure. And so you just got to be prepared for that. You got to adapt. And, and uh, again, going back to the earlier question of keeping scholarships available after signing day, just in case, uh, really comes into play in situations like that. Just as a quick follow-up, is it harder to go out and find guys to challenge and establish, you know, number one, the way Ty seems to have done for himself this year? Uh, I would say with a high school recruit, yes, but with the transfer portal and, and being able to take guys off of uh, collegiate rosters, uh, it makes it more doable. Um, and we're not necessarily looking for a guy to come challenge Ty. We're looking for a guy to help us become a better football team and, and uh, improve the roster. That, that's why your recruit is to, is to uh, and that's when you evaluate these guys, can, is this guy going to make us better? Is he going to add to what we're doing? And so that's uh, really the, the bottom line when you recruit kids because you believe he's going to add to what you're doing and make you better. And uh, that goes by degree. Some guys are going to make you a lot better right away, and some guys are going to make you a little bit better. But as long as you're getting better, that's the that's the objective. Steve Bartle. Coach, after months and months of, of effort and, and sometimes even years on the recruiting trail with some of these kids, I'm curious, what's the, what's the mood like the day before uh, signing day? Or I should say the early signing period, not signing day, but just what's the mood like before, you know, a day like tomorrow where, where you expect these guys to sign? Well, we're excited for the, for the actual signing to take place. But uh, as I mentioned, our guys have been committed, most of them, for, for quite some time now. And this is just a culmination of a lot of hard work and effort. And uh, it's, good to, it's always good to get them uh, officially in the program. And uh, it's so, so there's excitement. But uh, it's not like it used to be many years ago. There was a lot more uh, late decisions and, and signing day decisions. And so it's, it's more uh, things are, are set up much more in advance and decided much more in advance than it used to be. All right. Thank you, Coach. All right. There's Kyle Whittingham's media availability. Obviously, a lot of questions about the running back position with uh, two players transferring out. They basically had – they've got uh, seven or eight guys on the roster, but they basically had four guys getting the carries, and now they got two. Now the guy who gets most of them is still there. But not much depth, and that is uh, – Clearly going to be something to watch going forward, and, and Kyle has made it pretty clear the transfer portal, this is two days in a row, basically summarizing, it's the wild, wild west. Okay, sure, yeah, but I mean, it's that way for everybody, so yep. it's all even. You know, it's not like one team has an advantage over another team. 
Uh, we saw yesterday that the Baylor quarterback was rumored to be interested in coming to Utah. Good grief, man! So <laughs> that would that would add to to the list, and so uh, coming and going. You know, they're going to lose them. Obviously, they're losing guys, but at the same time, they're going to gain guys. And and I've always been of the opinion it's not who you don't have; it's who you have. Because if you have competence, then it doesn't really matter what you lost. And right now, at running back, they've got competence. Oh, yeah, big time. And I, I don't worry about that. That's like defensive line. Running back is like the last position I'm going to worry about offensively. Quarterback and receiver. Utes. Quarterback and wide receiver. Yeah, and, and well, there's only you know three others to choose from, quarterback, receiver, and offensive line. And I've sort of resigned myself to the receivers. Uh, I don't know that they're going to have uh, a first-round draft choice right. in their program anytime soon. But can they get down the field and catch the ball? <laughs> so it seems to me there's there ought to be enough guys that can get down the field and catch the ball. And that that's good enough. And then, especially and since we follow Utah's program so much closer than uh, we do other programs, even for me as a Sun Devil fan, I know way more about Utah than the Sun Devils. This year has been funky, but most of the time I don't even get to see the Sun Devils play because I'm working. This year obviously has been different, but I feel complete and total confidence in that they're going to find these gems. I don't know where they are, who they are, but I know they're going to find them, and I just look at Keithy as being an example. He's a gem. He was a hidden gem. He talked about how the, the, the schools from Texas, the big schools anyway, didn't really want him. So he comes up here, and he's a really good player. So I know they're going to find those kids. I don't know where, I don't know who, but I know they're going to get them because they always seem to do. And so you combine that, and you got to feel good about where the state of the program is as far as bringing in talent and restocking when the guys leave, whether it's through graduation, exhausting of eligibility, or whether it's through transfers, that they're going to restock the talent and be competitive. I think that a lot of people already thought that, but boy, if you didn't, I think these four games, this mini season, for lack of a better term, has just reinforced that uh, all is well because they sent so many guys to the NFL and to watch them compete down in and down out and watch the arc of how much they're improving here through these first four games. Uh, it's clear they got a bunch of young players who are already pretty good. I'm, I'm sure every coach will tell you they can get better and there's stuff to learn and. And that's true, but they're already, they've hit the ground, and they're doing well. Snap in and snap out. Snap in and snap out, my bad. My bad. All right, your take. Set the standard. Your take on the Utah running back situation. Pick up your phone. Use the app. Use the open mic feature. Send us your takes. We will get to those. Yak will play them as they come in. And, of course, we always have them for the end of the show as well. DJ and PK, we will be talking recruiting with oh. Brandon Huffman from 24-7 Sports coming up at 9.30. Kyle did field multiple recruiting questions. I would throw this out to BYU. Would you be interested in these Utah transfer portal guys? All right, we'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal!
with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. We're going to get to Coach Witt as well as Coach Satake. Both had media availability today. I know we have sound to get to, but I wanted to read this public service announcement from the state of Wisconsin. For many Wisconsin families, raw meat sandwiches are holiday tradition, but eating raw meat is never recommended because of the bacteria it can contain. I had two opportunities to eat raw beef. I declined on both occasions. Did the not sports report not end? (laughs) What hell have I fallen into? Can we hear from Coach Witt? Please. Is that okay, Gordon? The Big Show. Weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller Subaru. Well, PK, you just threw a provocative question out for BYU fans. Do share. Repeat it for the folks just joining us during the break, and then I will give you my answer. Okay. Well, we know that uh, Utah has is losing two quality backs, Brumfield and Wilmore, because uh, let's call it like it is, they got beat out by Ty Jordan, who looks absolutely sensational. I mean, already. I, I, it's crazy to think about how we're already forecasting him as an NFL back, and he's three or four games into his freshman career, but he just looks sensational, averaging seven yards a carry. Wow. And so these two young men have put their names in the transfer portal, and they have experience here in Utah. They've been in, uh, in Utah. Neither are from here, but they've been in the state now for multiple years, I think five years uh, combined between them. So they want to be in the transfer portal. They're going to look to get more carries. Uh, what about BYU? What about Utah State, particularly for BYU? We asked that question uh, because, you know, we saw that with uh, Henry Cole do that. And it didn't work, and he ended up going to Utah State. But would you, as a Cougar, want both of these guys, or either one of the guys, or both? I am not a Cougar, but if I were advising Kalani Sataki, I would tell him yes. And I would prioritize Devin Brumfield uh, as the guy I wanted the most. I'm not sure, especially with missionaries coming and going, I'm not sure where they stand on running back scholarships, if they need two of them or not. But I think that uh, I think Brumfield, in my mind, is, a, is proven as a useful short yardage back. And third and one, third and two are crucial. You get down there, goal to go, whether you get three points or seven is a big deal. And so, and, and he can do that. Uh, does he have an, enough speed that you want him as an every down back? That's probably debatable. Um, it's not that he hasn't broken off 20 yards run, runs, because he has. Uh, but definitely, for the short yardage possibilities he brings and the problems he could solve there, yes. The way I look at it is if a running back is good enough for Utah, he's good enough for BYU. Very simple. Do you view these guys as, uh, obviously we know BYU is willing to take Devontae Henry Cole, then he changes his mind and he ends up at Utah State. Uh, do you view these guys as uh, a little less than Devontae Henry Cole, equal to them, or better than them? Obviously they're different as far as style, so it's a little apples and oranges, but nonetheless. Better. Yeah. So in that case, then the answer is they're going to be interested. Unless that roster, no unless that roster is changing in ways you and I can't anticipate right now, you know who are they signing? Who are they coming back from a mission? Is the guy they're signing going on a mission? But I, I would say in most years, uh, to what Kyle just said, you always want to be upgrading your roster. I think these guys would upgrade their roster. Yeah, sure. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could see that. And I, I have no idea if they'd be interested because, you know, BYU is a little different place. We, we, all, we all know about that. And you got to at least uh, pretend you're going to abide by the rules. And, you know, if you want a haircut or long hair or whatever, uh, earring or any of this stuff that makes young people excited, uh, you know, maybe BYU is not the place for you there. So I have no idea about that. But just from a football perspective, and I would think that if I'm these guys and I've been around Utah and I feel like uh, their rules, I can live their rules for uh, a couple years, uh, I think I would have an interest in, in going there myself, yeah, because they, they always need running backs. Uh, and you have an opportunity to play, and you don't really have to have a significant change in your life terms of moving dramatically now i don't know what type of interest they're going to receive uh wilmore as he played in the area where i covered high schools down in the los angeles area so i'm familiar with him a little bit more and he was a big recruit and sun devils wanted him and uh, obviously he chose utah and now it's not working out so i don't know if he's going to be able to receive uh, a uh, a lot of interest going forward, so I don't know what the options would be as far as that goes. But you'd have to think uh, he's certainly going to be able to land somewhere. Uh, and I would be, if I'm Kalani, I would already have put in at least have a feeler, see where they stand. You know, basically, well, can are you interested in BYU? Could you possibly handle these rules? If the answers to that, both those questions are yes and yes then I would explore it. Well, we just heard Kyle say that when there's a relationship, people reach out and uh, get the recommendations. And we also heard Kyle say, while they were in the program, they were all in. And he clearly would have preferred that they finish the season and that they talk to them about coming back next year. And they didn't. They got to their academics and they had their mind. They got their academics done, got the semester done, and they had their mind made up. They wanted to go. They may have an idea where they're going. I mean, that's obviously the way this works. There's some either direct or, you know, through a third party. There's uh, most people when they go into the portal, I think, have an idea. Some people don't, but I think most people do. Well, I'm wondering, too, why not? finish the season which is saturday by three o'clock saturday the season will be over yeah and you know that's a time when if you don't want to play in a bowl game uh fine and we've seen plenty of coaches uh desert their team if you want to use that word after the season is over before the bowl game a lot of times there is no bowl game but that seems like the acceptable time uh you don't really see a coach leave before the last game of the regular season. And so I would be interested to know, did they feel like, well, i got to get my name out there as soon as possible so I get as many opportunities? Because if that's the case, I I've, I've certainly have no problem with them doing this. But I'm wondering why do it on the week of the last game? Does the way the situation and the circumstances, the way they play out, mean that you need to get your name in there as soon as possible because they need to take care of themselves. So I don't know. I don't have enough information on this to be able to answer yes or no. But if that's the case, then I certainly can see it. If that isn't the case, I'd be interested to know. uh, I don't want to use why bail because that sounds so negative, but why leave with just one game to go? All right, DJ and PK, more to come. Brandon Huffman, 24-7 Sports, is going to join us 
at 9.30 to talk about signing day, about recruits, his early signing period, who's going where. We'll talk with him. And we're also getting more feedback on the question of the day. Utah and a bowl game. What should the Utes do? Your advice for Kyle and the Utes. Coming up next, stay with us.